Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping on series 10. I kind of can't believe we've done 10 series. Um, this is take two on the Whistler Kids series. We had a really great first series of Whistler Kids, and there are so many amazing kids that I asked more people to come on. Now, Whistler gets a lot of visitors, but for those of you that don't know, we have almost 12,000 residents, two elementary schools, one private school, one high school, in this pretty sweet community we call Whistler. Whistler does produce a lot of Olympians and athletes, and I'm excited to share this series with you. I'll be chatting with a diverse group of Whistler kids who grew up in our small Canadian mountain town, from writers to Olympians, business leaders, and all-around talented people who have come out of this town, Little Whistler. It is May 8th, 2023, and I thank you again for dropping in with us today. This is episode 81. Let me introduce the guests that we will be dropping in with today. This guest seems to do everything. If you come to Whistler for a fun event, you can bet that he will probably be your MC. Now, you may be asking why. Well, not only does he have 21 years of hosting and MCing under his belt, he's a hell of a lot of fun. His pre-Whistler years were spent living without electricity in northern BC. His family moved to Whistler when he was 12. He graduated in 1999 from the University of Victoria with a Bachelor of Fine Arts, Creative Writing, and Film Studies. He is the founding editor and has been editor-in-chief at Mountain Life Magazine for 17 years. He was the founding editor of the Whistler.com blog from 2011 to 2016. He's also a filmmaker and is co-creator of the heady, heavy-hitting Horror Fest. In two, since 2003, he wrote the movie column for the Peak News magazine. He is currently a writer and editor for Multivista and has probably won Waiter of the Year at Sushi Village time and time again. This father-son, MC host, editor-in-chief, writer, blogger, director is a Whistler kid. Let's drop in with Feet Banks. Feet, how are you? I'm doing awesome, Mercedes. How are you? I'm good. You've done a lot in your life. Uh, it's it's interesting to hear it in a list there. Yeah, I um I think you know we've had a lot of opportunity to do a lot because in Whistler, you know, there's no shortage of good times to ha be had and no shortage of good things to do. It's so true. Okay, so for the listeners to get to know you a little bit better, we are dropping in with the ten rapid fire questions, which. All of our listeners and viewers know are never rapid. I feel like I should rename them, but it's still fun. Are you ready to drop in? I'm always ready. All right. Where in the world are you today? Uh, right now I am at home in the thriving metropolis of Squamish, British Columbia. <laughs> it is a thriving metropolis. <laughs> okay. This is my favorite question for Whistler Kids. Number two, what would you choose if you had to? Whistler Blackcomb. Uh, I'm a black comb kid. I mean, in my in my day, yeah. um, the mountains were a separate entity, and not everyone could afford a dual mountain pass. So depending on who your friends were, also kind of dictated what mountain you would ride. And and we definitely uh, we came up on black comb mountain. Okay, but what about your family? My family, uh, my dad worked for black comb, so yeah. we were loyal through through that as well. Um, obviously, you know he worked for the mountain. We did have dual mountain passes, plenty of, of fun time spent on Whistler as well. But yeah, no, we, uh, 
we're black home family and I'm a black home kid. Okay. I love it. I do love hearing the differences for sure. Uh, I'm a Whistler kid through and through. Obviously you probably know that from my brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number three, what was your Whistler hangout when you were a kid and what is it now? Uh, so, I mean, I'm of a certain vintage where we were lucky as kids. We had uh, Whistler Wonderland, the arcade slash mini golf course in the basement of the conference center, which became the tourism Whistler, Whistler.com blog offices, yeah. which was, it was crazy because I'd go up to visit somebody in IT and I'd be literally in the room where I remember my buddy Cortez being super high on mushrooms that he had to hide under the pool table. And I'm here to talk about like some code problems with the blog. So yeah, Whistler Wonderland was this fantastic, like double level, multi-room arcade mini golf course attached to the Rainbow Theater. And we just basically hung out there. You could climb up onto the roof of various things at the conference center and, and, do whatever it is that teenage kids do you could uh, sneak over to the golf course and and play around on there but yeah that was our end of town the uh the west end of town isn't that so funny i remember the air hockey up in that upper level and when i go into those offices now i can't I, i'm like this is super weird for yeah, me I there for five years and I, this, is, this is like my office was like seven of the mini golf <laughs> So awesome. Okay. And where are you likely to be found hanging out now when you come up to Whistler? Uh, I mean, I'm a creature of habit. So if I'm coming to Whistler, which I do a lot, I'm obviously for the mountain, I'll be on the mountain if I'm coming up, but yeah, in, in the village, you know, I'm going to Sushi Village. Yeah. I'm going to Armchair Books. I'm going to Evolution and I'm going to, to see Yosuke at uh, TMC Freeriders. And, and that's basically where I go. Local I take fun. my kid to rocks and gems to look at the cave bear skeleton. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But generally sushi village would be my place where, you know, I, I was lucky. I, I ate there two nights in a row this week, which is a fantastic uh, gift. Do you have a favorite role? Uh, I, I, I now order the superhero role for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. That hasn't existed my whole life, but I'm uh, quite fond of it since it's been invented. As am I a sushi village. Shout out. Uh, okay. Number four. Are you a morning person or a night owl? It's changing as I age. Uh, I used to be a night owl. And mm -hmm. part of that, I think, is because, you know, when we were kids, I lived, I grew up in Pinecrest. So outside of Whistler until I was uh, 16, I lived like there was no bus. I lived in, you know, basically at Lucille Lake. And so the, the, the school bus would leave Pinecrest at like 730 to get to Pemberton. And so by the time I got, on the school bus after school coming back from Pemberton, I would fall asleep every single day. I would have a nap at like from three to four, I would have a nap and then I would be wide awake until one in the morning. So oh that was my, all through high school, I was up late reading comic books. You know, I'd watch Sportsnet at 11 and then go read and draw and write comic books till one or two in the morning and then get up and go to school and then fall asleep and repeat. Yeah. Um, then moving into the, working at Sushi Village and moving into the food industry, you know, you finish work at 10, 30, 11, 11, 30, and you're, you know, that's what would feel like five o'clock to somebody else. Yeah. So yeah, night owl until I retired from that at around age 30. And uh, yeah, now I'm seeing the value of getting up at six and crushing a couple hours of whatever needs to get done before the rest of the world sort of starts turning. That's awesome. That's, that's very true. I think to most yeah. people, I would say. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, number five. Well, we kind of just, got into this a little bit, but how do you start your day? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> as a father, 
I start my day like making a lunch, right? Okay. Which, which, but if I'm up early, you know, I'll get a coffee, I'll come in. I find uh, after I wake up, I have a lot of, lots of times things work themselves out in the night. If I'm working on a writing project, uh, I'll wake up with the answer that I was looking for, or I'll wake up yeah. with the opening line to the article that I needed. So I'll, I'll come in sometimes even before I get a coffee and I'll just bang a bunch of ideas out on the, on the keyboard. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll do a bit of work. The child, you know, leaves for school at eight. So you got to get up, make sure that, you know, scream at him to make his own food and get out of his, get dressed and then, you know, make a lunch and send him off. And then, you know, 8 a.m. It's time to go to work. How old is he now? Fuck, almost 14. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow, wow, wow. wow. Old enough to make his own lunch, but also like <laughs> making a lunch every day sucks so much. And I was lucky enough that my mom did it for me throughout my entire school career. And yeah. I'm not going to that's that's one family tradition that I'm going to keep going because that's making amazing. a lunch sucks and I'll take the hit for you, son. Oh, making lunch does suck. I would bring like I would be the one that would sleep in and then take like a full pepper to lunch because I was like, <laughs> well, here it is. That's what I'm having today. Yeah. Terrible. Don't do that. Um, OK. And and then just to follow up on number five, how do you shut your brain off at night? Like if you've got all these like things. Going yeah, on. I I run pretty hot. My brain runs pretty active. My blood yeah. pressure is a, a signifier of that, which oh. I'm. I've got to work on somehow. I don't know before I just either explode or keel over. Oh but I've, I've always done the same thing at night. And uh, that's I read. Yeah, I read. I read like a fiend and it takes me out of my head. And then I basically catch myself holding a book with my eyes closed. And then I know it's time to go to sleep. And, and that's been pretty consistent for as long as I can remember. Amazing. Well, that segues into number six. Would you choose a book or Netflix? Uh, I'll always choose a book. Yeah. I mean, I did write that movie column for 18 years and I'm yeah. a huge movie lover yeah. and I definitely have spent many, many, many an hour on a couch watching movies in movie theaters, watching movies, loving it. But these days, um, I, so much of my day is spent looking at a screen that I'm yeah. always happy to to not look at a screen. For sure. For sure. That makes sense. Um, number seven, what's one thing that you've learned the hard way? every single thing I've ever learned has been the hard way. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I mean, one thing I've learned the hard way, uh, you shouldn't sleep with people that you don't love. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a thin line, obviously. And sometimes you don't know if you love them or not, but if you know, you don't love them, definitely you shouldn't sleep with them, even though you want to. Okay. Because like it never works out. <laughs> yeah. I think in Whistler that's a very valuable tip. But also that is a very valuable the tip. The town might either suddenly double in productivity or collapse. <laughs> that's true. Oh god. Oh man. Number eight. Whew. Um, what would be your favorite sport? Whew. It's I mean, it's I'm a skier. Right. And my whole entire life has been as long as I can remember, it's been around like skiing. Yeah. Um, these days, I really enjoy fly fishing oh. and I'm slowly almost starting to prioritize fishing over skiing. Um, but I, I, it hasn't gone the whole way there yet. But definitely I'm a skier with a, a blossoming fly fishing habit. 
Dude, that's funny because I had Billy Bridges on the mental health series and he's like, he's like, that is his go-to for mental health care is fishing. And I was like, I need to try that. It's pretty good. I mean, you're standing in a river usually around here. Usually we're in a river. You're literally standing in the flow of time and the flow of the world in water. And you're doing this super complex thing that takes your, requires a lot of attention to do correctly. And and it's re- repetition and it's honing of that repetition of the motion. And it just combines a lot of things that is, I, I can see why, you know, it, it, sh- it shuts the brain down similar to how, you know, being on the edge of something really serious on the mountain and you, yeah. and you laser in and get into that, you know, whatever that calls focus. It, the flow state. Yeah. Um, this is a way to do it without really risking your life. I think so. I think that's I get me older, with golf. <laughs> yeah. It is very similar to golf. Like you, your cast as you're learning in your golf swing, you know, the tiniest little difference can make a huge difference in, in where your thing ends up. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Wicked. Okay. Um, this will be an interesting one then for you next. Number nine, lakes or mountains? Oof. I mean, as I feel, again, it changes as you get older because yeah. the tolerance for cold goes mm. down and the tolerance for being warm and happy goes up. So. Yeah. Also, I mean, they're both busier than I re- remember from my youth, yeah. but I, you can I'm can. i still picking mountains. I'm still picking mountains over lakes. I think if it was lakes or ocean, it's yeah. a trickier one because uh, the ocean's pretty in- incredible. You can just yeah, look yeah. at, you can just look at it for your whole life. Totally. I don't surf well. I feel like I could just yeah, I don't look at that. the waves for, yeah. I'm like, I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't surf either and I'm not very good at swimming. So, okay. Mountains it is. Mountains All right. Number, <laughs> number 10, the last question. What is one core memory from your childhood in Whistler? Oh man. I know it's a hard question. I don't know what I would say. Both I mean, you and, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I I I think there's like the the first year that I moved to Whistler, I was in grade seven, and it was when they had just built the very first village gondola. Okay. And there was all kinds of parties, and there was a band in Village Square, and there was another band up in Mountain Square, and it was a fiesta. And like I was just old enough that my parents were like, "Yeah, just run around and have fun." And you know, I've I'd never been in a town where there's no cars to run you over, and. And I just remember being like, this place is insane. Like, this is like a party, but it's where we live. And 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 that always stuck with me, that feeling of just absolute, this is so different than anywhere else that I've ever been in my life. Yeah. And I'm a, I have this newfound freedom and I love it. But I also, like a real core memory is being in like grade eight or nine and being not bum skid kids, but you know, we we weren't. Nobody had a car and we just had to get around on our own and we needed to get from the village. And there's one, there's four kids and one bicycle. So one, like, <laughs> so, uh, like Corey Lahani would sit on the handlebars. Somebody else would be sitting on like pegs on the back. Yeah. I would be riding on the shoulders of Max Thornhill or somebody who's riding the bike. And we would have four kids on one bicycle biking from the skate park out to white gold or something like that. And I just <laughs> always remember yeah, like we were just little kids running around with total freedom. You know, oh, we got a bunch of styrofoam from a refrigerator installation at an apartment. Let's build a raft and raft Fitzsimmons Creek at high water and spring runoff. And 
we don't need a rope or life jackets. It's it works, and we'll call it the Titanic because we all know what's going to happen. <laughs> and those kinds of things, just being kids running around. Yeah, yeah, those are good memories for sure. So that was the rapid fire. Now we get all to right. talk about you crushed it, absolutely crushed it. No, you crushed it. Now we just get to talk about what it was like, like more so growing up in Whistler. Like obviously you came in, in grade seven. For sure. Um, I just had Bo on the last episode and he also talked about the arcade and the hangout area. Um, I do want to like give the listeners and the viewers like an idea of, um, because Whistler's changed so quickly and like grown a lot. What was it like for you? Like back in the day, like strolling through the village, like you said, yeah. the gondola was like just there for like the first 19 and you know, 1988 Myrtle Phillip elementary school was right across the street from the village. So like where yeah. high steakhouse is, was the grade seven class. Um, I came into school a month late too. So a lot of the kids, the new kids had already integrated. And then I came in late and it was a grade six, seven mix. You know, there was only a dozen kids in grade seven, if yeah. that, right. So yeah. small, it was small. Everyone knew everyone. I couldn't believe that we weren't allowed to cross the Village Gate Boulevard to go into the village at lunch because I wanted to go buy <laughs> I wanted to go buy Ninja Turtle stuff at the toy store and there was like yeah. a crossing guards and I get it because it's a grade kindergarten to grade seven school but also like in Northern BC I would you know the year before in grade six like I would walk a mile and a half home from the school bus and like if I could I was supposed to kill dinner on the way home. And then get home and light a fire in an empty house so that the house is warm when my parents get home. Yeah. And then in Whistler, they're like, you're not allowed to cross the street. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, are you guys idiots? Like, I'm literally just going to go to the end of the soccer field and jaywalk oh by the fire hall and go to the village. Like, yeah. you're basically preventing me from doing it safely is all you're doing. <laughs> and I just remember being like, this is kind of stupid. But also now that I'm in the village, this is the best, right? But there was there was one stoplight and one blinking yellow in Creekside, and that was it for stoplights. Yeah. And then think about the stoplights now; they're I know everywhere. I I totally remember that when we lived when when I was growing up, we lived in um, Alpine, and the directions that you would give people: well, go through the first set of the lights, and then turn at the second set of lights. Like yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. There was not much happening in Whistler, but yeah, I mean just. just the ski hill was so incredible to coming from Northern British Columbia. Like I learned to ski in Smithers, right? Okay. Fantastic hill. You know, it yeah. was one T bar, one chairlift back then. And then I came to Whistler and like the first time we didn't even get off the wizard because I didn't even conceive that there was a whole mountain mm. of, of lifts, right? Because the wizard was the biggest lift I'd ever been on. Yes. And, and I just like, remember being like, Whoa, what? There's a whole nother. And, and in those days, you know, it was, the chairs had names, but everyone on black still called the black home chairs, chair one, chair two, chair three, chair four, chair five, chair six. Okay. So, oh, we're going to chair six. I'm like, where the hell is that? Right. Like, and, I don't know because I'm a whistler kid. Tell yeah. me more. <laughs> and, and the school, because the school was right there, like you'd get out of school every, I think it was every second Thursday or every Thursday you get out of school an hour early and run as fast as you can to the bottom of the lift, right? And we would go to Blackcomb. So run to the wizard yeah. and upload to the top, get one run, upload, sit at the rendezvous yeah. and just wait because, you know, my parents didn't finish work till five o'clock. So there's no point for me being at the bottom of the wizard at 4.15. Right. So we would just sit in the trees up by uh, rendezvous and wait and wait and wait until the mountain was totally empty. And then bomb straight line down springboard right underneath solar coaster. Yes. And basically, and then come into school marm and, you know, in the 80s, like the lower parts of the mountain had good snow most of the year. 
Mm-hmm. And, and the school marm was a lot narrow and it was basically almost like banked Salome in there and you could go so Dang. fast, man. Yeah. Yeah. School marm still like one of my favorite it runs. Still, it is. I like that yeah. run. Not yeah. many people know about it. Just don't and tell anyone. It's never that. It's not always great. Right. Cause it gets a lot of rain crust and melt freeze and stuff. It's but true. when it's good, it's, it's golden for sure. How, how many days would you say now you get up the mountain? <sighs> you know, this, these, these days I, I work. Uh, my kid mm-hmm. has to go to school. We do definitely skip Mondays as often as we can to go up yeah. the mountain. But, uh, you know, if I get 25 days a season now, I consider that a good season. Okay. I'm probably close to that. I bet you I got 21 this year. Nice. Um, nice. As a kid, you know, we were, my folks, we were named for 50. Okay. But um, the, they really need to change the school system in the Sea of Skies so that the kids are off on Wednesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, and they go to school on the weekends because uh, that makes sense. It's difficult, to, especially not living in town. It's difficult yeah. to uh, to get up the mountain on the weekend. It, it takes a lot of you want to. You need to really want to go if you want to get on the mountain by from Squamish. That's true. Well, in the lineups, it's it's changed a lot over the it's, years. That's a for it's sure. A lot. That's yeah. for sure. Um, I want to talk about the community of Whistler. You're like heavily involved and you're always around and you're at like every event. And it's so amazing to see your face all the time. And and I know I'm not the only one. Like it's people are stoked when they when you're emceeing an event. It's it's just a really, really good time. So can you kind of shed some light how you got involved in that and like how you just keep doing it over and over? Yeah. I mean, the community. <sighs> It's interesting. It, it comes from, it was such a small community when, yeah. when I was young, you know, everyone knew, everyone knew everyone, everyone got their mail from Jen Morris. Everyone got their, you know, everyone saw everyone all the time. And then there was events, the father daughter dance. Obviously I never went to that, but that was a huge event that's been happening in the community forever. And then mm-hmm. there's, you know, as, as there used the fireman's ball, right? Everyone knew everyone and the kid and, and that sense of community just stuck with me, you know, even though like I haven't lived in Whistler since 20, 2006, but yeah. it's, it's, it still feels like home and I still am as involved and every, almost every good thing that's ever happened to me in my life come has come out of Whistler. So yeah. I, I, I have this feeling like, I, you know, I, and it feels like as it grows, the community is being stretched more thin. Mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of the, you know, uh, our parents' generations, they had their kids finished school and they left town because yeah, yeah. I bought this lot for $7,000 in the 1960s and I built the house in my own hands. And now everyone's telling me that it's worth 2.5 million and I've got this $18,000 a year tax bill, but really? I'm a carpenter, right? I, wh- how does that work? I know. So I as the community got more and more stretched thin, I sort of felt like, you know, we have to take care of ourselves and um, that's why Chile and I started the horror festival just so that we can, you know, there's a film event homegrown you know, yeah. you used to see people doing art shows in Max Fish or doing fashion shows. And there's all these little things that were all kind of happening at the same time. And it just it, it kept the energy level. And, and it was always fun. Like, if it's fun, I'll be there. Right. <laughs> I love that. Um, let's touch on the the Horror Fest. For those that don't know, give a little explanation um, from its infancy to now. And obviously, COVID was not helpful for that. But- yeah. I mean, lots of things weren't helpful, but how it started was, you know, I came out of university with a film degree and it was right when um, exciting things were happening in skiing. And my buddy Travi and Chili were working at Sushi Village and Travi's like, hey, let's buy these brand new three chip mini DV video cameras. It's the coolest technology. 
We're yes. going to film a ski and we're going to make a ski movie. So Travi and I got the cameras. Chili was shooting stills. We've made this ski movie. Uh, heavy hitting parental advisory. It's classic. And uh, <laughs> shameless plug. And then we're sitting around with these cameras all summer and autumn and spring. Like, what are we going to do? We have, you know, this, this is a $10,000 camera at the time. Yeah. And let's, let's, Chili and I are like, well, we should make a horror movie, right? We love horror movies. It's the easiest movie to make. Really? So we made one, uh, Green Jesus versus the Evil Pom Poms. And um, marijuana was involved, right? Um, yeah. That's how come Green Jesus is green, because he gets his superpowers <laughs> from smoking magic joints. And once you make a movie, there's no internet. Like, there's no YouTube or anything. You, you, you couldn't show your movie to anyone. So we were like, well, yeah. it's stupid to make a movie without showing it. So we started this festival. It was at the GLC. Yeah. And we put the call out and, you know, lots of people had cameras and people made movies and it kind of grew from there into this huge event where people with an idea and a camera could do anything they want and they'd be able to show their movie to, you know, at one point there's 1100 people watching these B grade horror movies. I mean, and it sells out real fast. <laughs> it's, it's sold out. We used to just print sold out on the posters because when right. it was at, when it was at Millennium Place, that's 225 seats cast and crew are probably 60 seats. So you, there's not many seats. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, then it went to the Fairmont and there was enough seats and it was, it became a huge, massive thing. And the, but it also like a bunch of people that I know that have gone on to succeed in film careers, you know, mm -hmm. some of their earliest or sometimes their first time ever showing a movie to the public was at the horror fest. And, so cool. you know, that's was something that Chili and I always tried, like we'll show anything. If you make it, we'll show it because, you know, you have to start. Everyone has to start somewhere. And totally. it doesn't matter how shitty it is. And and lots of them were really quite poor, mine included. <laughs> then, of course, like it got a little bit. There was a eventually we had to stop showing anything because it got kind of rapey. Some people there was a there was a whole phase in horror movies where it was like torture porn and kind right, of right, right. like gross shit that doesn't service the story or anything. Just gross shit for being its own sake. So yeah. then we actually had to start cutting people and that didn't go over well. And then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, then Chili got sick and died. So yeah. it put a, it put a damper on things and then tried to revive it. COVID didn't help. And yeah, now I, every time I go anywhere, someone's like, when's the next Orpheus? Come on, bring it yeah. back, bring it back. Yeah. But, that's a um, challenge. Yeah. It was a lot of work. I don't know. It was, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. You know, as you become parents, your priorities shift a little bit to, you know, I still want to do stuff. We would never make money. Like that was solely for the community and yeah. to have a good time. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, you know, to build your personal brand so that people know who you are, but it was never like a, a financial uh, thing at all. Oh, that's super, no, it's, I, it's super interesting because I had Bo on and he was talking about the real wild kittens yeah. and how they're giving skateboard lessons for free. We've got you doing a horror fest, not making any money. Here I am putting on a half pipe fam jam yeah. just for fun, for free. Totally. For and and like, Ace's, Ace's hot dog party at the end of every year, right? Like these are yeah. the things that build community and these are the things that make Whistler special. Yes. Are these events that come from the heart and are for the community. And, so uh, you know, it's it's getting harder and harder for those things to happen. Like, it is. It for is. Horror Fest, the price of venues are, it's like, I, I do I want to charge people $69 for a ticket to come to a movie festival? No, it's no, ridiculous. But they'll probably right? get. <laughs> they do pay. And, you know, we definitely have a high level of, of what we were doing. And we were giving a lot of money away to the filmmakers as prizes. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. It, you know, a film festival ticket should be $25 for the same know, experience, yeah, right? Yeah, but yeah. in Whistler, it's like, well, 
we get we treat you feet banks the same way we treat microsoft when they come to town like here's what it costs here's what it costs yeah no totally brutal and that's you know part of the you know that conference center in the 80s people from the community came out and volunteered to finish building that thing because construction had stopped there was a recession interest rates were at something like 20 percent and it was full stop and the community came together and went to work because they knew if we don't get this conference center built like no one's ever going to have a reason to come here and then you know fast forward 30 years and try booking try booking that conference center and see what happens right yeah you gotta be a bazillionaire yeah ah well at least we all have still good hearts (laughs) we do and i mean that's that's always going to win in the end right the heart lead lead from an open heart and everything's going to be okay right it's going to be a challenge but your heart's open so it'll it'll work itself out totally okay so now you are still editing writing like full time is that still enjoyable for you you love it uh it can be yeah it's you know there's definitely times where you're just doing a job same as anyone but I, you know, I, during the COVID, we had a bit of free time. I started my pie magazine, piequarterly.com, shameless plug. No, I didn't and add that in there because I wasn't sure if that was still going. It's, Tell I me mean, more it, about it. Tell it's going about it. pretty slowly, but I don't know. For whatever reason, I always wanted to have a magazine about pie, and I, I wanted it to be called Pie Quarterly. And so, you know, the COVID happened, and I lost the movie column because the, the, all theaters closed, and the, and the Peak magazine had to go down to – survival mode where they could only afford to pay their full-time staff and yeah. you know columnists were columnists and I, I did it oh two two weeks to flatten the curve i'll do it and that you know that two weeks became like a couple of years or whatever so i had a bit of free time and i was like oh i'm gonna do this pie magazine and i'll just do it as a website because that's freer or cheaper yeah, yeah so totally. i built it and it's basically just a portfolio of all my favorite stuff that i've written from the past and then yeah. it's a place where i can put new stuff that i might not be able to sell to you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be able to place the article about uh, masturbating to stay awake while you're driving in the mountain <laughs> life, right? Which is an old Whistler trick. Which is an old Whistler trick from a, from the Whistler cab drivers. So, and of course, there's recipes for pies, and and you know, it's it's not a, a super active thing, but it's also called Pie Quarterly. So if you get one e- email every three months, yeah. it's it's true to the name. And yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in Spanish. P-I-E is P-A, feet. So it's a double entendre. That's funny. Yeah, that's French for two entendres. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Feet banks. What else can we say about Whistler kids? Well, we can say uh, we should probably talk about the time that Shania Twain (laughs) called you out at the concert for like 45 seconds and told the entire world how awesome you are. Oh. Oh my gosh, that was pretty, I, that was unexpected and that was incredible. I don't know, but none of the kids from Northern BC that I know ever had that happen to them. So <laughs> there's something about the water in Whistler. It is. There is something about good humans coming out of Whistler, and uh, no, that was that was crazy. And I didn't even get to hear what was she was saying until uh, someone sent me a clip, and I was right. like, oh man, she's so thoughtful. I know she didn't just call your name. She talked about like how inspiring it is what you do. And like, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. awesome. Uh, I, I will. I do have one thing to say about Whistler and I, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to rain on the parade, but when we talk about these events that, that, you know, that you throw that, that I threw. It, yeah. There did used to be more of these homegrown events. And even this year at the Ski and Snowboard Festival, like we could see how hungry, you know, thankfully the Gibbons team put on the filmmaker and the photographer and the intersection. Yeah. And you could see how hungry the town is for art. 
-hmm. And I just, I just feel like obviously I'm a little bit not tapped in up there anymore to what's happening with the youth culture. But I just feel like, you know, when we were young, my buddy Chili, who was a painter and would throw events and have these festivals and stuff like he, he could pay 700 bucks a month or 600 bucks a month for his own room with a little ensuite with a sink so that he could set up a canvas in his room and paint and clean his brushes mm -hmm. and become, you know, one of the best landscape artists in, in the country. And I feel like nowadays, you know, at the same time I had my own room with a rudimentary editing computer where we could work on movies and our buddy Dave Barnes had his own room and he could do his quiet and sit there and do his pencil illustrations. And yeah. The fact that I, I feel like a lot of kids now, either they don't have their own room and mm -hmm. they don't have their own space to create art, or if they do, they have to work three jobs to be able to afford that space. So they don't have the time, and the energy to create art or plan really? an event like the fam jam or an event like the fashion shows that Shirai used to do or Aces. Totally. And so there's no space and no time and no energy for this younger generation how do we expect anyone to do anything when they're, they're all in survival mode just to try and chase this life that we had. And I'm scared that, you know, I'm almost 50 years old. Ace a little bit older than me. Like eventually mm -hmm. we're not going to be able to pour that energy into the community the way that we have our whole lives. Yeah. And there, and there's no younger generation or there's a much smaller percentage of the younger generation that has the time and space and energy to step up and fill those gaps. Yeah. And sure. without that culture and that art and that for the community, by the community stuff, I mean, the town is going to lose some of its magic. So, yeah. you know, what's the answer? I, I mean, the answer is easy, you know, pull a billion dollars out of your ass and build a bunch of houses for people. But um, it's if they had it, I would. Yeah, the billion dollars part's <laughs> tricky. So I don't know what's going to happen up there. I hope that, you know, I was talking to Kathy Jewett and she's like, you know, the stuff we do now isn't going to pay off for 10 years, but if we don't do it now, it's never going to pay off. Yeah. So hopefully the future, you know, everyone knows the problem. It's just, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully we, they can find a way to solve it or at least dampen it before it's too late because that community energy is a huge part of why we came to Whistler and what ended up keeping us there. Yeah. And if it just becomes a place where kids from Europe come with $15,000 in their bank to offset their lifestyle, do a bunch of blow on the mountain and then bounce after eight months. That's, that's not, not a community. community. That's not no. a community. Right. No, and, and, and I mean, we see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess yeah. we should try it on something more positive than that. <laughs> no, no, that's the truth though. Like, like, I hope that the next generation can sort of figure it out to keep that spark going. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, obviously the, the, the one salvation might be the kids that are growing up there with their parents, because yeah. those kids have a bit more space than the, the people that have to pay their own rent. Right. And, you know, if there's one thing we know about Whistler kids, it's some of the most inspiring people I've ever met in my life. And, yeah. and, you know, from Jesse Braidwood to Neve Peterson to, you know, these, these people are so lovely and kind and yeah. incredible to each other. And a lot of them are really smart. And I, and you, when you grow up in Whistler, you grow up like, Oh, there's Sean and Kai and Callum. And those guys are 12 years old and they're in May. Oh, there's Mercedes. She's in the Olympics as a teenager. Oh, <laughs> There's uh when I was a kid, it was like, there's Dan Wartell. He's getting photos published in snowboard magazines in grade nine. Oh, there's, 
Browner and those guys just started a company. Oh, there's Sean Sadler, who's a tech genius. Like, and you grow up seeing people, your peers, your friends finding success in any venue that they want. And I think that is, is the best thing about Whistler is growing up there. You, you don't ever feel like there's a ceiling on what's achievable because all around you, people are absolutely crushing it. I totally agree. And that's exactly why I did this series because it is so much more than just athletes in this town. Yeah. Though we have like amazing athletes and like there is an Olympian around the corner everywhere you look. Totally. Um, but like you are an amazing human and everyone that you just named has a different story. And I hope I can touch on all of them because yeah. I think it's such a great, great humans that come out of here. I don't know. Is it the water? Maybe. I I, I think the water plays a role. <laughs> I think it's everything, you know, it's the yeah. trees, it's the mountains. It's the fact that you, you know, you, you grow up knowing that there is a line of risk in life. And if you're just going to coast forever, you're not going to have as much fun as these people that are over there pushing the edge, but also, you know, things can go sideways. So you got to make every day count and, mm-hmm. and all these things come together for Whistler kids. And then uh, they just grow up being the best kids in the world. It's awesome. Well, feet, thank you so much for dropping in today. I just want to give a couple takeaways um <laughs> masturbating to stay awake loved that one that was uh, that's on Pi quarterly i think it's called life hats life hacks stay awake <laughs> by driving i can send you a link if you want it it's a whistler cabbie technique that that no cabbies actually wanted to own up to but i know for a fact that it was a cabbie who who taught me that not firsthand <laughs> not in person these are like fun facts with feet also don't sleep with people that you don't love it's important it, it, it it's yeah that you know you don't love you could change it because sometimes you you grow to love them but if you know you don't love them like take take the high road don't do it um and also if you're thinking of doing something fun for your community just freaking do it like it's such a great opportunity for the next generation also the older generations to come back and enjoy it for themselves as well so feet banks thank you so much for dropping in today i really appreciate you mercedes it's always nice to see you thanks for having me so much for dropping in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks DJ Kenosis for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.